Princess. Prince William. Colors. Welcome back to another episode of Prince William Colors. I'm JB Uckber, and if you had a chance to check out our most recent episode, Educational Segregation, you know that we talked about the demographics of high schools and how they don't necessarily reflect the communities within which they're located. We also touched on the lack of diversity in our teachers, our admin staff, and in the people that work at the KLC, and how the percentage of minority to non-minority is inversed when we look at these groups as opposed to when we talk about the students. Overall, we found out that we need to do a lot better, and not just so that our hiring reflects the incredible diversity that this county has to offer, but also because it may be one of the leading factors contributing to the disproportionate criminalization of Black and Hispanic students. So naturally, we wanted to hear from the people that are most affected by the education system, the students. This episode is part one of a two-part conversation with Prince William County alumni of color, and it's about them sharing their experiences with our local education system. And while we had a good sample of participants for this conversation, we know that they're not entirely representative of the diversity of this county, but their individual experiences and insights definitely had a lot of things in common with what we've been talking about. But most of all, it highlighted the fact that we need to listen to our students. They're the ones experiencing this day in and day out for at least 12 years, so if we're not listening to them, then it's kind of like running a business and not caring about customer feedback. It just doesn't work that way. But unfortunately, we've been acting this way for way too long in this county and probably across the nation as well. What you're about to hear is the unedited conversation that Ikra and Chloe had with five graduates from Hilton, Forest Park, Unity Reed, Woodbridge, and Freedom High Schools. We've divided this dialogue into two parts, split over two different episodes, so make sure you continue on with episode four for the second part. And here's the conversation, which starts off with the participants introducing themselves. Hello, everyone. My name is Zara Wakilzada. I am a sophomore at Georgetown University studying government and economics and minoring in women's and gender studies. I studied at former known as Stonewall Jackson High School, currently known as Unity Reed High School in Manassas, Virginia from 2015 to 2019. So close to end of my freshman year till my senior year. Hi, my name is Lila. Um, I went to Forest Park High School. I graduated in 2017. I went there my full four years, and I now to go. I now go to VCU for nursing. Hi everyone. My name is Danielle Parada. Um, I attended Hilton High School from 2007 to 2011, um, and I attended. Uh, undergrad at VCU, got my degree in psychology, and then went to Mason and got my master's and PhD in applied developmental psychology. Some of my work uh, surrounds some of the issues that we're going to talk about. So um, I do some research on immigrant student experiences and Black and Indigenous student, uh, students of color. So thank you for having me. Hi, everybody. My name is Alex. Uh, my pronouns are he, him. Um, I graduated from high school 10 years ago, and I've also gone to Nova Community College. Um, and currently, I'm just uh, a community organizer slash activist here in the area. I do a lot of work with different orgs, uh, including, including uh, um, CASA, uh, some of the local orgs. Uh, I do some work with PWC Mutual Aid and um, um, La Colectiva, and I've done work with like Cosecha and some other groups. So. Just happy to be here and talk about uh, my experiences <laughs> with all 
with uh, the school system here. Hi, everybody. My name is Tahira Hamidi. Um, I recently graduated. I'm a class of 20. I now attend Hampton University. I'm majoring in journalism and minoring in psychology and leadership studies. And hi, everyone. I'm Ikra Noor again. Uh, I graduated from Freedom High School in 2019, recently, currently a sophomore at Harvard University, studying linguistics and neuroscience with a minor in global health and public policy. Hi, everyone. I'm Chloe Presley. I'm actually a current student at CD Hilton High School, but I am also dual enrolled at Colgan High School. So I go to both schools. And in the future, I plan to major in chemistry and I graduate this year because I'm a senior. Uh, I just wanted to begin our discussion by asking you guys to rate your school's diversity on a scale of one to five, one being like no, not diverse at all and then uh, five being the most diverse. Um, I would say mine is 4.5 or about five. Um, it's pretty diverse. Um, people from around the world. I actually immigrated the end of 2015 when I came to Stonewall Unity Read and um, never felt like an outsider. It's an amazing school and love it. I went to Forest Park. I feel like it's known for being predominantly white. Um, I would I would say two to three. Um, I don't know. It's kind of hard because I kind of I kind of like most of my friends were people of color and I, I kind of mostly surrounded myself with that. So, but essentially like it's it was predominantly white. Um, so I went to Hilton High School and at the time it was not that diverse. I think it was predominantly white. And then we had maybe like a third black and then a third Latinx non-black. Um, in a very small proportion of Asian students. And just to give you context on how like I experienced this, I my previous school was in Fairfax County. I was uh, raised in Bailey's Crossroads, which is like predominantly Central American and predom predominantly like a black and indigenous like community. And so coming to Hilton and seeing such a lack of diversity was really shocking to me. Um, so the high school that I attended to at first, which was called Jeb Stewart High School, now known as Justice High School, um, was known, I think, at one point as the most diverse high school in the nation. And then so then I went from there to Hilton High School here in Woodbridge. So it was a completely different experience for me. Yeah, that's pretty interesting because now it's like known as one of the most diverse in our county. We have like um, every single race and ethnicity. It's kind of crazy that that shift has happened in like such a short amount of time. Well, I went to Woolwich High School, um, but back then um, I would I would probably give it like a six, uh, six or a seven. Um, we, when I entered uh, my freshman year, we were just go we were going through a phase of like redistricting, redistricting. So um, they had just built like Freedom High School. So a lot of folks like from uh, communities that were more of like like Latin Latinx origins moved to Freedom, right? Uh, but there was still a pro pretty good portion of, of the community that that stuck around in Woodbridge. So there was like about there was still a lot of us left. But as as the years went on. Um, it's, it progressively got whiter. And you mentioned Freedom High School right now. Um, I guess like I recently graduated, graduated and the students in the school. And I feel like everyone around thinks like Freedom is such a diverse school, but we talked about this before diverse, like 
is sometimes diversity, the, the word diverse is sometimes used as a code word being black and brown. Brown. Right. Like if you think about freedom's demographics, we're like ninety-five percent black and brown, and our like white population four point five percent. Then that's not representative of the entire county. So it's just it's just a little weird the the narrative around diversity. What do you uh? What if the rest of you think your school is viewed as now, like by other people who are outside of your school? Like, are there any stereotypes that you want to like bring up? Yeah. Um, so again, at the time that I went to Hilton, it was predominantly white and I would say predominantly white and black for the most part. And then there was like increasing amount of Latinx folks coming into the area. So they were moving more into the district of Hilton. That's why there was a demographic change. Um, and I'm sure that these stereotypes are alive and well at, at the school. Um, so for example, like if you were known as Salvadoran or like Central American in general, people would ask like, do you have family in MS-13? Or like teachers would just keep an extra eye on you um, to the point that they would like follow you sometimes. I would have certain teachers maybe like follow me in the hallway and it didn't help that I was a Salvadorian kid from Bailey's Crossroads because in the school systems between Prince William County and Fairfax County there was a huge exodus of people that went from Bailey's Crossroads Seven Corners area to Woodbridge so it was a known let's say hood quote unquote of people that were coming into the county and so the fact that they knew that I was from Bailey's Crossroads that I was Central American they kind of like assumed that I had ties to gangs. And so I would have administrators ask me about that sometimes. Um, and I, to let you know, I was an AP student all four years. So like the fact that uh, I was the only Central American in my AP classes and the only one getting followed, you know, is kind of weird to me. Um, and I didn't figure it out until later that I was profiling basically. I'm at a loss for words. I can't believe you had to go through that. Yeah, just to also give you context to this, um, this was a height of the 287G uh, legislation, meaning that uh, the police, if you were stopped, they had the right to hold you for ICE to come and get you, right? And mm -hmm. so at the time, um, there was a basically school to deportation pipeline in Prince William County, where if kids got in trouble and they were suspected of being Latinx specifically, um, they were held and they were their background, their immigration background was was looked at. And so, um, yeah, so it was a really scary time. And so there was a point where my parents made me like have this card of information in case I was stopped by the police and held for ICE. Um, and so the teachers were kind of, not the teachers, but I guess the administration and the discipline model was kind of like modeling what was happening in the county at the time. Mm -hmm. We don't have that now. It was taken, it, it's no longer in, in the county, I guess, officially um, this year. So this has been going on, you know, but I was at the height when it was in, enacted for the first time. And also it's the same law that was passed in Maricopa County in Arizona. So we hear horror stories of Arizona police system right but it was actually happening in our county at the same time right here 
Unfortunately, with having diversity comes the lack of knowledge and stereotypes, because usually in general, as as a country and as Americans are so eager to check our diversity box, but don't make an effort to challenge ourselves and learn about other people's cultures, individuals, education level, and their struggles in general. So uh, we did had a lot of struggles when it comes to the county and the people who are in charge of making all these rules for for students and uh, for the school in general, they were not listening to us because they thought we are not worthy of having our perspective there. And at the same time, we had parents and um, preventing their students and moving just because they didn't want their students to go to Stonewall Jackson High School as um, given that they were said that there are gangs, there are drugs there. And um, I personally think it was because there, we have a high rates of immigrants Therefore, people usually associate immigrants with those, given the fact that these immigrants and these children actually were too busy taking care of their family, learning English, and actually interacting and making friends, that they didn't really had any interest or time to engage in any kind of activities. At the same time, there was this, um, this lack of acknowledgement and education when it comes to mental health that we had. I remember my either junior year or senior year when students were um, volunteering during IB night, uh, one of the parents walked up to one of the students and was like, so how many students um, died out because of suicide at your school? And this student was literally a student at Stonewall and was translating for parents and students who needed translations. Um, so there is this um, lack of understanding and also the stereotypes that parents force and implement into school in order to prevent their students to go to Stonewall or any diverse school, uh, which I think in in long term, it's going to harm the student itself because they are the ones who will be who will end up working uh, for our government or, or um, in our society. And these individuals need to interact with people like us and people who don't look like them in order to understand how to create a better and safer society for our future generation. Yeah, you bring up an amazing point of like this lack of understanding within the schools and within the, the administrative team or like the leadership. And I mean, I'm, I guess my question is like, did the administrator in your school look like you or the students in that school to really understand like, because I personally, I do believe that there needs to be like your admin needs to at least look like you or look like the students in the uh, in your school to understand where somebody's coming from if they're being if somebody if a student is sent to their office so like, did this admin look like the student body or was representative of the student body in your schools i can answer that um unfortunately not um as much as i love my teachers and uh, the interaction that i had with administration given that it was good, I would also say that my experience with them is not reflective of every student's interaction with them. So I would be speaking for myself and my experience, which was great in general. I really had um, teachers who were willing to guide me and help me out as I was learning English. But um, it's really sad that students don't see people like them in a higher position where they can talk to them and share their experiences. Because if your teacher doesn't look like you, you look like you, you're less likely to share an experience that you're going through or a trauma that you have. Because first, you have to experience the culture and the reason behind trauma. Then you have to 
speak about the trauma. So you are technically educating the teacher and then speaking about your struggles at home or wherever you are, because there is, again, this lack of understanding and, and education when it comes to um, our teachers understanding our struggles and administration in general. So. So unfortunately not, I would have loved to see people who look like me or um, there would have been a teacher that I could have gone to and spoke about my trauma without having to ex explain um, the reason behind my trauma or my culture, my cultural uh, struggles. Um, and I think that's one of the issues that Prince William County has to work in and um, speak on. Another thing is that um, this schools in general in Prince William County lack the understanding of race and um, diversity in terms of religion. Um, we think that if we are not speaking on these issues, they are going to disappear. So we don't, we never speak on racism, we never speak on Islamophobia, we never speak on these struggles that students have on daily basis and interactions that they have with other students, because we believe that if you don't speak about racism, racism will not occur. If you don't speak about Islamophobia, it will not happen. Well, I had my sister studying in Stonewall Middle School and um, they had um, students calling them terrorists on daily basis and teachers don't do anything about it. Um, so I acknowledging and understanding, first of all, the lack of um, uh, understanding and also the ignorance that comes within the school system and then trying to tackle it by educating ourselves, first of all, and then having action items and teaching our students on how to interact with others is going to be a great help. But if you ignore the fact that these things are happening, you're violating another student because they're coming to get an education, but then they will be uh, pushed away of these spaces because there's a lack of handling and respect within our classrooms. That actually reminded me about like, um, like my four years in high school, I. I didn't like most of my my teachers were were white and I remember I had in ninth grade an English teacher that was actually like mixed white and black and she was talking about um her experience in school about how like they they weren't um like she she was um like talking about how she wasn't like when she went to school they didn't raise her hand and stuff and it it didn't like help her learn and stuff and just basically talking about her experience like being mixed in like school and stuff and I didn't realize how important like seeing someone that looked like you as a teacher was until then and and I don't know I that that yeah I don't know I wanted to add to that but my brother he like maybe in fourth grade had a like a black teacher and prior to that he didn't like school at all he he hated school he was always like so mad and like didn't like learning and I don't know if there was correlation between that but when he had her as a teacher like all of a sudden he really liked to learn he loved school so much like his grades got so much better and he liked to help in class and everything like that and I just remember being like like I wish I had more experiences like that growing up and stuff because I, I just had a lot of experiences where I just predominantly had like just like white teachers and yeah. I don't know I just didn't relate and I didn't really like I don't know I know exactly what you mean honestly um representation is like a big part of a successful education I think 
uh, personally, like I want to go into some STEM field and I know I've never had like a single black math teacher or science teacher. And it's, it's kind of hard to imagine yourself being successful in a field like that, where you've never seen anybody look like you, uh, be successful in that field, at least not in your immediate, uh, interactions. And so I think that can make or break the difference between a student who wants to pursue those hard subjects like STEM or just maybe just giving up and not even trying at all. Yeah. Yeah, I um, I agree with that. Um, I do want to say that, you know, having representation is, is awesome, but it also, there's an extent to it as well because, you know, most of the administration at Hilton were Black. A lot of the teachers were black, but they were African American, so they didn't understand, like, I guess how xenophobia can be um, found in the African American community, right? And not just towards like Central Americans, but also other groups like African kids too, right? From Africa. Um, and so that was something that was like really shocking to me, right? Because I was like, I never thought a black teacher would accuse me of being a gang member knowing that I was an AP, like it was very bizarre to me. So it was hard to deal with that as well. So like, you know, these teachers, so just so you all know, like I am Afro-descendiente, meaning that I am Black Salvi. And so it was cool to have teachers that looked like me until they started pointing the finger and, you know, accusing me of being in a gang when I wasn't. So it was like, cool to come to a county because in Fairfax County it was mostly white teachers it was cool to see these teachers that kind of looked like me but then it was disappointing when they didn't have a further understanding of like issues uh, for immigrant students right specifically um, and so it was kind of disappointing in a way that you know we had this representation but they didn't want to further understand their student body. So it was, that's why I say kind of like the, the dynamics of the county were playing out in, in the school. And so it was kind of like, what do we do with these kids that aren't from here? We don't know how to deal with them. So it was a lot of those issues. And, and at the same time, you know, I don't blame them. Like they're also trying to learn how to like run these systems as well, right? And they're taught, most of these black teachers um, for the most part were taught also by like, white people, right? So it there wasn't a lot of conversation at the time about like decolonization or like um, a global perspective on blackness, you know, those have existed, but they're becoming um, conversations that are a lot more common now, right? Mm -hmm. While at the time it was not common at all, right? It's like, no, we're, t we're different people. Um, so it's cool to see that people are talking more about what does it mean to like xenophobia, right? Or taking a perspective, a global perspective on blackness and stuff. Um, I'll give credit where credit to do. There's a lot more of those conversations, but during my experience, there's some like, I'll say the principal at the time, I won't say the name, the principal at the time was a black woman. And she was the one that was following a lot of the Central American students around the school. Um, and she targeted me specifically and she has like a great legacy and I'm sure she has the legacy like she earned it and stuff but we also can't turn a blind eye to the damage that could have been caused at the time as well definitely not um picking back off of what she said I went to Freedom High School and the administration was a pretty decent representative of what the student body looked like um 
most of our administration is black, but along with that, you also need to have proper representation. I was a student rep for the 2019-2020 school year, and I focused a lot on um, student decriminalization and getting rid of the school to prison pipeline, which led me to have a lot of conversations with my school's admin. And their attitude towards us as students was that there is this bad connotation associated with freedom. We are the minority school. We have a lot of immigrants. We have a lot of um, people who aren't white. And um, parents look down upon us. So what we have to do is we have to have better discipline and more stricter punishments and stuff. So something a student did at Freedom High School would be would uh, have received a disciplinary action that was twice as harsh as something a student did at another school. So not only is the representation important, but it's what you do with the representation. Yeah, I think I think I definitely have like a, a similar experience to a lot of folks here. I think for for Warbridge though, when when I was going, um, it was very there wasn't really much representation at all, you know, and uh, I mean it was predominantly most of the teachers were white and uh, the administration was practically all white. I don't remember anybody that was brown or black to be honest. Um, I also noticed that as you made it to like higher grades, it got whiter as well, you know. So like, um, um, it was like freshman, freshman and sophomore year. I, I had a pretty good amount of like uh, teachers that were like black or brown, right? But once, once I started getting to, once I got to junior and senior year, uh, I can't tell you uh, really anybody that was that was black or brown, you know. And I think that goes to show just as like um, that I that it seems it seems almost like intentional and. In, in their in their hiring, right? Of how they know that uh, are, like demographics that are black or brown tend to be tend to tend to not make it, you know, uh, or have a higher dropout rate, you know. So I feel like, especially in Woodbridge, there was mo most of the folks that that were graduating were white. So I think there was like there there was sort of like that sentiment, um, especially as you're as you're as you're going up to the higher grades that this is exclusively white, you know? Uh, so I had that, I definitely had that issue. I remember growing up too, we had uh, what some of the folks here talk about where there was a sort of a disproportionate, I guess, uh, punishment towards uh, uh, different groups. Um, yeah, I definitely saw that. Uh, I saw it with my own brother, you know? He, I remember he got into a fight when he was uh, in his sophomore year. And it's, it was very odd to me because it was his very first time ever getting into any type of trouble in the school, but they still expelled him, you know? Um, yeah, they still expelled him. And I had seen plenty of fights in school. A lot of people see fights, but you typically what happens is that people get suspended, right? You know? So for my, my brother, I thought that it was, I thought it was very just odd that they would, they would sort of like single him out and just expel him. So I, reflecting on it, it makes me think about, well, it's probably because uh, we're Salvadoran. And not only that, but we're Af Afro-Salvadoreño. So so like, and my brother definitely has more more black features than I do, at least I, I think so, you know? Uh, so I feel like that sort of, uh, that, uh, I think that for me, when I when I reflect on it, I feel like they, they, uh, they, um, they profiled him and in that aspect. And it happened to a lot of other kids. I would hear that all the time, how the teachers would teach them, treat them differently, how uh, the administration would, would treat them differently. You know, I had situations where 
where uh, fellow classmates of mine would be would would ask me, um, would tell me actually they would say, you know, if you if you can't if 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 your administrator or your counselor is not listening to you, go talk to this one, right? Uh, which was sort of like out of character because like uh, technically like you're supposed to talk to the counselor counselor that you're assigned to, but there would be there would be kids that I know that that would talk to other counselors and those counselors would help them out, but most of those kids that were getting help from other other counselors were white, you know. And I remember trying to get to get advice from another counselor that everybody kept telling me was a was a great counselor, uh, and I remember asking her I was like, hey, you know, my friend sent me here. They said you could probably help me out with something and she looked at me she's like I can't help you out you need to talk to your counselor and I was like but you helped my friend out she's like I don't help out other people that are not in my uh like um in my group right uh, of people that are assigned to me and I was like that's bullshit <laughs> you know that doesn't make any sense you know but I couldn't say anything because you know to, at least in my mind I was like I'm just a student you know uh, so I never I never said anything but it's it's something that like I reflect on a lot you know it's like what if I could have gotten help from this person you know uh, uh, or what what were the reasons this person didn't help me and but helped out you know my friends you know uh, so I think about those things all the time yeah um, I definitely agree with Alex um, so I had my own personal experience with like getting in trouble with the administration. Like I said, I was just like an AP student. So it was just to give you perspective, like when I lived in Bailey's Crossroads, it was like the peak of like MS-13 violence and all that. So I was like the quiet kid, but I guess in Woodbridge terms, I was a little louder, if that makes sense, right? So I came from more of like a hood area. So coming to Hilton High School was kind of like a culture shock, not just for me, but for the kids there as well. Like they didn't know how to read me. That was including the administration as well. And so um, there were, I remember there was times where like certain students would come up to me and they would be like, you want to fight? I heard you were from Bailey's, you want to fight? And I'm like, no, I don't want to fight you. Like, what the hell? So there was that one point, one year where I got jumped by three girls um, in the bathroom. And well, they tried to jump me, but I fought back because I'm from Bailey's. So I don't take that. <laughs> but I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. But <laughs> uh, but uh, for real, though, it was like it was shocking. Um, and so I remember the administration found out like a week later because I was like, I don't want to get in trouble. It was my senior year. I didn't want to get in trouble. And they actually tried to jump me on my birthday, too. So I was like, I'm just trying to have like a week to myself just chilling out. Right. And then my dad gets a call from the principal saying, you know, you're started a fight um we're gonna expel her we're gonna look into her records in fairfax county we know you all are from false church we're gonna make sure she's not gang affiliated if she is we're calling the police um and all these things right not knowing that i was like the quiet kid in honor classes in fairfax as well right like um but because of where I was from and who I was, they assumed that I was in a, I was a gang member. Um, and so they went as far to call my guidance counselor in the school I was in in Fairfax to ask for my records to see if I was a gang member. Um, and the, the lady was like, there is nothing on this girl other than the classes that she took, right? And so then they called my dad back 
and they were like, oh, we didn't find anything, but you don't know your daughter. She's hanging around the wrong people, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so we're thinking of expelling her. Uh, and this was the week of homecoming as well. Like, I know as adults, that doesn't seem like a big deal. But when you're in high school, like for them to wait three weeks to suspend me on the week of homecoming was very intentional, you know. Um, and so my dad called them and said, like, you literally, I, I've gone along with this, but I've realized that you guys have profiled my daughter. Um, and so I need the punishment to be adequate. There shouldn't be a punishment, but if you want to like, go ahead, but she's gonna go to homecoming. If not, I'm going to sue the school for racism, for profiling. And so they actually did let me go to homecoming, but they told my parents that they were gonna have police officers there in case I decided to start something again. So there was police officers following me throughout homecoming in case I started something. They checked me for like knives and weapons when I got there, just in case. They're like, we have my eye on you um, or we have our eyes on you. And yeah, it was honestly like a horrible experience. And it was my senior year. And you know, those are things that you look forward to as a high school student. So it was actually pretty traumatizing. Now that I think about it, they held me in a room. I remember before they called my dad, um, they had this girl, so the one white girl, the girl that, the main girl was a white girl that jumped me, right? She was in the office crying her eyes out. And the administrator was like, oh, I know you're a gang member. I know you are. You need to sign this form saying all this stuff. And I asked for my parents uh, to call my parents. They wouldn't let me out of the room. And they forced me to sign a paper that I did not agree to. So they basically held me in a room made me sign a paper saying that I was like maybe gang affiliated or like I was violent. And then that's when they started calling the other counties trying to figure out if I was gang affiliated. Again, this was an administration that was mixed, I think equally white and black, right? And all of the security people were black and they're like, well, you did the crime, you do the time type of attitude. And I was like, but I didn't do anything. I was the one that was attacked. Right. But they didn't care. They didn't want to listen to me because, oh, you're you're Central American. Not only that, you're Afro Salvadoran. Right. And we don't think about that when it comes to the Sal Central Americans or Salvadoran people. They think we're a monolith, but then they'll treat us differently. Right. Um, so a lot of the kids that are Central American that are held in these juvenile detention detention centers and stuff, they're Afro Salvadoran most of the time. Right. And that's something that we don't talk about. So that was like I think the one experience that really opened my eyes to like, wow, this system is really fucked up. So you just listened to part one of our conversation with alumni of color from Prince William County Schools and their individual experiences. But don't go anywhere just yet and go ahead and continue on to episode four, because part two will be talking about mental health access, as well as where do we go from here and how do we build a system that's more just and more equitable? Stay tuned. The views expressed on this podcast are those of the content creators and guests alone and do not necessarily reflect those of an official entity. This has been Prince William Colors. Prince William Colors is an inclusive production. If you have questions, an idea for an episode, or just want to get involved, contact princewilliamcolors at gmail.com. More episodes can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. So don't forget to subscribe.